Have you ever hit your rock bottom and thought there was no way out? In this interview with Sylvia Vasquez Lovato, we find out there's no bottom you can't climb out of. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm your host, Dr. Monica Johnson. Every week on this show, I'll help you face life's challenges with evidence-based approaches, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Hey everyone, you're in for an inspiring story. You're going to hear the conversation I had with Sylvia on her journey through sexual abuse as a child, substance abuse, and her life-changing experiences that led her to mountain climbing of all things. Listen as we talk through all the metaphorical and literal mountains that she's had to conquer in her life. I think it's so important for all my listeners to know that you can go through devastating times in your life and still find internal peace and build a worthwhile life for yourself. For more, I strongly recommend that you read her book, In the Shadow of the Mountain. Hi, Sylvia. It's so nice to have you today on The Savvy Psychologist. I've been so inspired by your story, and I really want to introduce you to our audience because I think they're going to be inspired by you too. One of the things that my audience knows about me is I'm really big on metaphors. And your book is a lot about mountains, both internal and external mountains. And so I really wanted to start our conversation by asking you to kind of tell us about your story and kind of the internal mountains that led you to the the real ones, the big ones like Mount Everest. So, well, Monica, thank you. It is an honor to be here. And I'm so appreciative for this opportunity to, to share my story to your listeners. Um, so I was born and raised in Lima, Peru. And unfortunately, I am part of a you know, horrible statistic that one in three women are going to experience some kind of sexual violence in their lifetime. I was sexually abused as a little girl, and the trauma that experience really marked my life. I actually left Peru to start college here as a way of running away from it. And the unfortunate part was when you run away from your problems, they chase you. You know, you can't, you can't outrun them. I, I thought I could outsmart them. I, I thought I could outsmart my shame and just keep it quiet. And so I started, you know, school here in the States. When I finished, I moved to San Francisco. And it is there that kind of the memories of the past started coming back. And the way I started dealing with it was ignoring it by becoming an alcoholic. Mm. And, and it also didn't help that I was working for a vodka company. So, you know, two liters a month as, of the free bonuses, you know, there were times that I would be running out of the two liters within a couple of weeks. So I was in a whole path of self-destruction. I, I actually got a DUI, was sent to jail, was, I mean, and nothing could stop me until I hit a painful period um, and my baby brother found me, you know, choking on my pute, passed out one morning. Mm. And that was enough for me to get help or to ask for help. So I called my mom and I'm like, mom, I need help. And she asked me, come down to Peru. Your cousin is going to help you. We're going to do a session of ayahuasca. And she actually was a very conservative woman. My my parents were incredibly strict. And once you read the book and for the readers, once they see the book, they'll be able to understand the complex dynamics. But here I am. I mean, you know, she was very Catholic, and she actually had done an ayahuasca session that allowed her to heal something that had been very painful in her life. In my case, I went into this feeling like, all right, you know what? Let me do this thing because let me find out all the negative people and all the negative forces that are causing me to have so much pain, so much shame. There has to be somebody I could blame. 
So <laughs> I'm going, I'm going into the ayahuasca field. I'm going to do this. And when I'm doing the session, what I find is me as a little girl mm -hmm. on a little corner, shivering after one of the sessions of the abuse, because I had ignored this girl in my regular life. I didn't want to have anything to do with my past. I almost want, I was so ashamed of it. I, I remember having this photo. I came across a photo of me, like six year old outside um, my gym class and just being mad at me and being like, ah. And I almost, tore, I almost tore that photo. I couldn't bring myself to do it. But then on this vision, I see this little girl who was crying. And then I see myself as an adult. And the first instinct is to hug her and to embrace her and to tell her, like, you're going to be okay. I'm so sorry. And I remember feeling something of like a connection, like a missing piece, you know, was coming together. And then I started hearing rumblings. And somehow out of the blue, this mountain started shaping Oh, and wow. this little girl, what she did is that as, as, you know, I put her down, she started pulling me into mountains. And, and so that is what truly happened on this ayahuasca vision that was enough for me to pick my interest. Because, you know, ever since I had run away from Peru, I hadn't done therapy. My family, we didn't believe in therapy. So it was one of those situations. I mean, if I would have done therapy from the beginning, who knows, this might not have happened. But I just had this uniqueness to it. And when I put the perspective on it, I was like, all right, well, I come from a country of mountains. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to go into my country because I'm still scared of the man. I'm still scared of society there. I can take this two way. I can do metaphorically and I can imagine this visual and I can just walk the mountains of life with my little girl. Or I can put my Virgo brain and make, make it more actionable. And I figured, mm -hmm. you know what? If I need to take this biggest pain, this pain that has paralyzed my life for so long, why don't I take it to the tallest mountain in the world? Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to walk to the base of Everest. I had zero experience. I had never been on a hike in my life. It wasn't my cup of tea. I just simply was following this very innocent vision. Mm -hmm. And it is what truly changed my life. Um, and, you know, I, the second day I came across the Himalayas on my track. And when I saw, you know, I saw the perspective of me against these powerful, these almighty mountains who looked just strong, you know, tough, hard, but they were also very welcoming. Right. And, and I just felt a sense of protection, of visibility that I hadn't felt from any human. And that, if anything, started giving me courage. It started giving me strength for me to keep going further. So when I got to the base of Everest in four days, instead of like the eight days that it usually takes, I remember I had the opportunity of seeing the sunrise come in between Everest and Nipsey. And I started tearing eyed. I just felt this connection. I felt that the world was giving me this opportunity of reconnecting to something so sacred that I had shut down, my courage, my, my strength, my innocence. I don't know if it was me or the little girl inside of me, but there was so much awe. Mm -hmm. When I looked at the mountain, I said, one day I'm going to come back and attempt to climb it. But it looks scary already. <laughs> so I'll do it with two conditions. I'll become a mountaineer and I'll come back with a social cause. So, you know, I put that wish out there and this has been the journey's taking me. 
I mean, this is so beautiful. You were so open to this experience because the picture that you're painting for me is that like you kind of got lost in the bottom of a bottle. You had this, like rock bottom experience. Your mom introduces you to ayahuasca. You have this vision and you're just open to the experience. And you said it highlighted a pathway and you just immediately went to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it seems like you started at the bottom. I feel like I'm going to quote, you know, a rap song right now, but you started at the bottom and now, you, and then you ended up on the top of a mountain. I mean, that just seems like such a big trajectory. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like you discovered from the base to the top of these different mountains that you've climbed? What I have discovered is, um, I think, a whole appreciation. I, I tell everyone, and I'm serious, you know, if I was able to do Everest, anybody could do it. Because what I have learned on my journey is that it's one step at a time. I will never forget, as we were getting to the summit of Everest, almost six weeks in the mountain, the journey had been tough, so many challenges. But one of my most epic moments as as the sun, you know, we had been climbing through the night and then the sunrise, I mean, like sunlight is coming out and you just have these unobstructed views. And I remember looking at my legs and just having so much appreciation because I said, wow, these little two legs, I have skinny legs, I have chicken legs. <laughs> and, and I just said, you know, these little legs have brought me up here. And I, and I think that is what I have learned. And to me, I've never done this journey because it was so personal. I mean, it took me many years before I even started publicly talking about it. I mean, I felt I was going to be climbing in, you know, in silence because I was like, well, I don't want to kind of, who wants to be known as a sexual survivor? And like, oh, you know, like what's society going to think? And so I, I had even started climbing some mountains kind of quiet, but I always had a lot of um, respect and humility for them. I come from a country, Peru, we were the main hub when the Spaniards conquered. Latin America, kind of they conquered South America. You know, they destroyed our Inca culture, which was incredibly advanced. And so we had this notion of the conquerors, los conquistadores, and there was always this idea of like overpowering. And so whenever I heard mountaineers, I was like, I've conquered this, I've conquered that. Mm-hmm. And I never felt, whenever I would be on a mountain, I never felt, you know, first of all, I'm like, really? Like I'm the one conquering something that has been in existence for like millions of years. I mean, the mountain is looking at you going like, oh, look at this other one coming. Look at the little eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to throw a little like storm and you're going to be out of here. I mean, right. and, and so my respect to it, I always treated mountains as something sacred. And so what I think what I have learned is a lot of humility. And I think in exchange, it's allowed me to, you know, be more present. It's allowed, it's, it's given me you know, the most unbelievable of gifts. I mean, if anything, you know, kind of getting more comfortable in my own self, that is one of the biggest lessons. It's just like, yeah, starting from the base to the top, you know, it's going to be patience, it's going to be a one-step journey. Of course, you know, just like the crab, two, two steps forward, one step back, there's going to be setbacks. I mean, and, and that was one thing. I mean, I was never doing this journey to break a record. It wasn't a speed record. I needed to prove something. It was more of a personal dream. And, and I think that's usually when I, you know, love to talk to people, we all, first of all, we have to have our dreams mm-hmm. and we just have to shut up the outside shatter of people criticizing it. I mean, my own family wasn't even supportive at times. 
Right. And my own mother, I remember I came back from one mountain that I couldn't make it. And she's like, Celia, you fail. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. And so, you know, it's always like, you know, trusting, trusting. If it's something that matters to us, trusting that, yeah, we're going to have to start at every base, but eventually we'll get there. One of the things that I'm hearing you say, like I'm, I'm hearing you talk about conquering and I'm also hearing you talk about strength. And it seems like you started this journey not feeling like you had any or very much strength. But it, it's it's curious to me that in this vision, you discover this little girl version of you, this girl who represents a period of time where you had people at least attempt to take certain things away from you, mm-hmm. you know, and did actually harm you, right? Mm-hmm. When I say try, I mean, they tried to take away your strength or at least trick you into thinking that you weren't strong. And then you have this vision and she shows you, hey, here's a mountain, <laughs> like, you know, and it's like she knew that you were strong enough to do it, even though you didn't know it <laughs> at the time until you walked on this, this journey. And I think that's so powerful because when we have these early childhood experiences, we do get focused on what we've lost in having this experience in our early childhood that is traumatic. And sometimes we forget on what we can build on top of that or what we have can brew inside of us if we have belief or faith in ourselves as a person and we decide to go on a journey. One of the hardest parts of trauma that at least I find for my patients is it gets them stuck. Mm-hmm. They stop moving forward on the journey. And it sounds like that's where you started. You're like, I was in this stuck point. I was, you know, working at a liquor company. I was drinking, you know, and I was stuck. And then the vision just shook things loose for you. I will tell you what you were mentioning. I think, you know, we put ourselves in a box. Mm-hmm. And trauma, actually, I think trauma builds the box. I mean, on top of it, you know, we build our walls. And that's, to me, the message of trying to bring more people in nature. How can you be creative if you are, like, stuck on a box? Yeah. And that's, that's what, to me, being in nature, being surrounded by mountains, is allowing me to completely free myself from that box. You know, to just to kind of have the freedom to have the openness, to be all. And, you know, you can't have all when you are, you know, kind of locked in. And so, and so that is something that I think, at least for, for me, in terms of my challenges and even working with some of the young women, I, I mean, we were all able to see what it does. It gives us that spaciousness, that freedom. You know, it allows us to feel and to get back into our bodies. And so when you're on the day-to-day, it's hard. And, and I'm, you know, of course, I want to invite everybody, like, hey, come to the base of Everest, would be amazing. But yet, you know, economically, it could be this and that. But, you know, we're surrounded by so many places that are close to us. And it's just one little experience being out there just makes a whole difference. Mm-hmm. From reading your book and, and learning about your story, if there were a few takeaway messages that you would want anyone who shared any part of your experience to take from it, what would you want them to take? First of all, to know that they are not alone. You know, I I think what I'm proud of the book is that to me, it feels like this beautiful, we're, we're in a circle. And, and that was part of me sharing my experience in such a role in a very vulnerable way just to welcome people, you know, even though it is a story of my life, you know, it's our story. 
You yeah. know, many of us have gone through grief, have gone through addiction, have gone through loss. And so it is a story that a lot of us have experienced. And what I'm hoping people will take from it is to know, first of all, you know, the importance that we heal together. You know, and if we allow that opportunity of opening ourselves up, of allowing to, you know, walk side by side with each other, hearing our stories, supporting each other, which is a massive part of the book, it can take into the most amazing and transformative places. And I want my readers to know the resilience that is inside of them. Mm -hmm. It is in unlimited supply. And so we all have it. And I know once they read it, they're going to be able to see that. So, I mean, and and that's the part that I'm just so excited for it. And, and, you know, I'm grateful for the reviews and the support in, in terms of the story. Yes, I've loved reading your book. I've loved your story. I find it to be incredibly inspiring. And I'm so pleased to know that you exist in the world and all of the work that it is that you're you're doing to send these messages and to help people discover the tops of their mountains. Absolutely. You know, I it's it's funny, I mean, as I invite people you know, I, and I hope as well, this is an invitation for them to inspire and tackle, you know, their own internal or external mountains, whatever they are. And I know it will. This is a book that I wish I would have read in the midst of just my most painful time, in the midst of, of my alcoholism, in the midst of of just, you know, feeling completely helpless. I'm really, really proud that, you know, I've, I've had no no issues, you know, bringing out my shame the way that it was. And I, and I think it will help the conversation. And also for parents, I I think this will be very insightful in terms of, you know, unfortunately seeing how sexual abuse happens mm-hmm. and to, be, to make them a little bit more aware. I mean, just signs, just to be connected and, and just see how, you know, little kids can be just so susceptible, um, you know, to, to a lot of external factors. Yeah. And I want to say that um, you have a new fan. I don't know if I'm going to be a mountaineer, (laughs) but I am going to try to discover some new areas of strength because I am inspired. (laughs) Monica, likewise, you know, I hope I I hope we'll have the chance to have another conversation. Maybe I can be the one interviewing you because I think I have some topics. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for sharing your story and to be so incredibly vulnerable and gracious. It's a difficult thing to do and you wear it like it's just natural and easy. Vulnerability strength. And that is the one side that my readers will be able to see in just when when you just see me at my worst, at my most vulnerable, that is where strength comes out. And that is, I think, you know, just what used to be like, Fashion is a new black. Uh, oh, yeah. Vulnerability is a new strength. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We all need to be with that, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Sylvia. Go read her book. I need more people to talk to about it. If you buy her book, tag me on Instagram or send me a comment. You can also reach out to me via email at psychologist at quickanddirtytips.com or leave a voicemail at 929-256-2191. The Savvy Psychologist is a Quick and Dirty Tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with script editing by Adam Cecil. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller and our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. Follow Savvy Psychologist on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for this week's episode of Savvy Psychologist. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches Podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches Podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.